All right, here you go, Hollow Suite 10. But remember, nothing past the hour, or you pay me double. Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Bator of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters Podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today we are entering the third episode of our Holodeck program, where we will be talking about the Holosuite episodes in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, we're having a bit of a change up here. I actually remember talking to our mom because Michelle, she watched Deep Space Nine first of her like long Star Trek watch. Um, And I remember talking about other holodeck stuff and she's like, hollow sweet. You know, she was like, I can't think of it as anything else. And of course now she thinks of them mostly as holodecks. However you come into Star Trek, we're very excited to have you here and very excited to talk about Deep Space Nine. And it will be hollow something. Yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hollow matrix. We've got a lot of stuff to go. Photonic friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, Rihanna, I am very happy to be recording with you today. I'm still coming off that whirlwind of an interview last week with JB, as now I'm calling him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John Billingsley was here. We were talking about the Hollywood Food Coalition and Trek Talks 2, which as a reminder is on January 14th. You can just watch it for free. It's like a bunch of celebrities, Star Trek actors uh, coming together to raise money for the Hollywood Food Coalition. If you would like to donate, you can, and you can help them to meet their goal of $100,000. So I highly encourage everybody to check that out on January 14th. Rihanna. The guests are like amazing, by the way. Like, just yeah. go look at the guest list on our like link in our bio and stuff because they have a great lineup this year. They actually they just announced that officially Anson Mount and Scott Bakula will be joining. They have just been announced as the final guests, so I really hope you'll take a moment to check that out. Rihanna, overall, um, it was our first time interviewing a Trek actor. I was pretty nervous throughout, yeah. but something that really struck me is just how incredibly intelligent he is, and he was mm-hmm. making like really crazy history references and mm-hmm. like literary and philosophical references yeah. that I was just out of my depth and delighted to be inspired by him for an hour. <laughs> Yes, I was having such like a kidship with him that I did not expect and it was really nice to talk to somebody and just remember like we're all people and he's doing incredible things for people in need and the Hollywood Food Coalition is amazing and it's something that he's been a part of for a really long time and so I think hearing about how Star Trek and activism go hand in hand is always really cool and it's amazing to see what Star Trek uh, can do for the fans and can help push us to be more active in our community and to help others and to reach toward each other, as Michael would say, you know, like keep reaching towards the people who need help and who you can help. And that's like, it's just so incredible to see someone like John Billingsley continue to do such amazing work and also hear flock stories. That was incredible. I was like fainting with happiness. Same. (laughs) Just looking at his face on my screen, I was like, what's happening right now? (laughs) Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah, so thank you all so much for supporting us and getting us to this point, you know? Yeah. Also, um, 
this is a very different episode than the one that we made two years ago today because this is the anniversary of the insurrection. And I remember, yes. Rihanna, that we recorded that day and we were like, yeah. oh my God, oh, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is insane. Or we recorded the next mm-hmm. day or something. Um, but instead of thinking about the insurrection, we should think about today is Spock's birthday. Woo! What an amazing time to be alive to celebrate our logical friend. Rihanna literally has a Spock shirt on today. Yeah, I really debated about wearing my Deep Space Nine shirt, but Spock won out because, wow. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's Spock's birthday. It's official. Rihanna loves Spock more than all of Deep Space Nine as a series. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's my favorite series. What does that say about me? Rihanna, it says the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many, which Spock doesn't oh, even agree with. Spock would be like, what are you doing? It's illogical. It's not my doctrine. Um, yeah. Also, today is um, Aaron Eisenberg's birthday. Rest in peace to both of these yes. amazing people. I thought it was really amazing that we watched. Well, I watched Paper Moon today because I crammed this watch list into yes. my blood. <laughs> that was incredible to watch. Just you know, start to cross off on the Google Doc. I was like, oh, she's going hard. And like, just today, I watched all these episodes, yeah. so it was great to see Paper Moon and watch him just shine in that episode and watch my tears shine as they rolled off my face. Um, yeah. So, so many things to celebrate. And then the last biggest thing is that the Deep Space Nine 30th anniversary just happened as well. Like, yeah, Rihanna, third. we keep accidentally timing our podcast series and episodes to have just great, great timing on accident. It's really incredible, and I'm so excited to talk about Deep Space Nine and sort of honor them in this really unique and fun take on the show because we're not talking about war for the most part. Well, there's a little (laughs) war. (laughs) A little. But we're not talking about station antics. (laughs) We're talking about uh, Hollow Sweet stuff. So it's going to be really fun. And this watch list was actually so enjoyable. It was a a wild journey. Lots of different things going on. Not as much as TNG, because TNG is like, they tried to invent every single way to use the holodeck ever, Um, but we got a lot of really cool themes, I think, throughout this. Yeah, and Rihanna, um, I think let's talk about the very subtle differences between a holodeck and a holosuite. Mm -hmm. Because these are Quark's holosuites that he owns, and he has to deal with repairs. So many of the episodes were about Quark, (laughs) or Rom, or someone on the station complaining about the holodeck's technology, you know, no one was repairing it. Yeah, the holosuite, yeah. Or holosuite, yeah. Um, See, I'm already doing it. This this might be a trend (laughs) in the episode, but... So, yeah, these are his, and I think there's four holosuites on the station. I think there's more. Um, Let me look. I would think there should be, like, ten... I thought there was, yeah. Thank you, Memory Alpha, for always coming in clutch. Uh, Quark is supposedly has at least six Hollow Sweets. So I guess my intro was wrong earlier because I said Hollow Sweet Ted, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> it seems fun. like he would have a lot because he owns all of them on the entire station. Maybe he said that because he was in a Hollow Suite. So he he was yeah. like, in my Hollow Suite, Hollow Suite program, <laughs> there's ten. Yeah, there you go. I like yeah. that. Thank you. <laughs> this is my, my fan in Rihanna. Um... <laughs> That makes sense because when Vic eventually becomes like a 24-hour program, it would be crazy if there were only four because then there's yeah. only three. <laughs> you have to like install a whole new one or buy more space and we know Quarks does not have the money for that. No, so. absolutely not. And people would get impatient like mm-hmm. visiting the station. Like, why is this program always running? Literally. Anyway, we digress. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, Rihanna, 
I think I have a question for you. Um, yeah. I'm wondering, when you think about DS9, what Hollow Sweet episode do you consider to be the ultimate one or the best one from the series? I, I think the inclination is to go the Vic Fontaine route, but I'm still going the baseball route, <laughs> always and forever. <laughs> this one impacted me deeply as a, as a child. <laughs> as a child of a Cubs fan who, like, always saw the Cubs lose it, like, you know, just could not get, get there for so it, long. Basically, like, Rihanna's love for baseball that she got from our dad and my love, too, is, like, why she's living in Chicago a little? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, because Chicago's awesome. Gotta be closer to Wrigley. Yeah, gotta be closer to the Cubs. (laughs) (laughs) Feel their warmth. (laughs) It's truly amazing. Yeah, and so I love a good found family trope, and I love a good holodeck or hollow suite episode, and so this feels like the perfect combo for me, and it's totally biased. It probably is not everyone's first like ultimate episode that they think of but it's so classic for me and why I did my Esri Dax Niners cosplay at Miss in Chicago and want to try to do a Kira one because Kira. I have an <laughs> earring now so yes amazing I think you took my answer um take me out to the hall suite it's just such a fantastic episode for me Ah, if I'm not gonna go, if I'm just to not copy you, I will say the Vic episodes, specifically all of the songs, because mm. Brianna, here we go, I'm gonna out our weird selves. Yeah. <laughs> um, I back in the day before Spotify, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there I, you had to like download clips from YouTube of music and like convert them into MP3s, mm-hmm. and that's how I got my music. Or like download CDs to your iTunes and then name them painstakingly. Like totally, kids, we worked harder than you think. And I know yeah. our listeners are primarily much older, older than us, but worked a lot harder. Worked <laughs> yeah. even harder to like actually go to stores and buy music yeah. or make cassette tapes. Put it yeah. a quarter in that jukebox babe um, <laughs> but you could not put a quarter in a jukebox and get the song the best is yet to come sung by Vic and Cisco you know that just yeah. was not on the not available on the turntable <laughs> that night um sure. but that's what I did and so there was actually like a cd that Rihanna and I had of Deep Space Nine and like Star Trek songs mm-hmm. and all of these were Vic songs and so every single one that plays I just have completely memorized and the like dialogue before yes. and after I also have memorized. Thank you Ashlyn. So yes, same. I just like Vic he's only in I think Rihanna said seven episodes yeah, which is crazy seven. but he was really a part of my life and his music just like it got into the souls and hearts of everybody else on Deep Space Nine, it got into mine as well. So here, I'm pouring one out for Vic way, way before we talk about him. Love that. We're ready. (laughs) Um, Okay, so Ashlyn, I'm so glad that we're talking about Deep Space Nine, and I just want to give a little bit of background information before we pick our action figure. Oh, thank God you remember. Cannot forget. (laughs) Not again. (laughs) Sometimes we even say we're gonna do it, and then we don't. Yeah, liars. (laughs) You just don't know what to expect from us. Yeah. Um, And so, Deep Space Nine has a total of twenty-eight episodes that involve a hollow suite. So, way down from TNG's forty-seven, I believe it was. That had total mentions and scenes. I'm sorry. 47 is two full seasons of The Next Generation. It's like two plus. And so this is only about, oh, only a season of holiday episodes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Exactly. So it shows that we're at a different time. Like I said, <laughs> we're not going to be talking about the entirety of the war that is going on, only the effects of it <laughs> that people go to the Hollow Suite for. Yeah. So, Ashlyn, I'm wondering if you would like to read off our amazing watch list for today. I absolutely would. So we're going to start off with the category Cisco's Fixation. And we're going to, of course, of course, start with Take Me Up to the Hollow Suite, followed by Rapture. Then we're moving on once again to the non-HR compliant episode, because unfortunately, it's back, baby. <laughs> and um, larger than ever. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so we're going to start off with Meridian, and then Arman Bashir, and then His Way. Then the third category is This Is the Hollow Suite, with Shadow Play and Inquisition. Then we have a bunch of honorable mentions. We're going to talk about clips from Hollow Suite episodes. And we will be ending, of course, with Vic's Lounge, starting with His Way, then Tears of the Prophets, Image in the Sand, Siege of AR-558, It's Only a Paper Moon, Bada Bing Bada Bang, and What You Leave Behind. So <laughs> you gotta grab a box of tissues because I did not yes. make it through this watch list without several tears. Absolutely. I'm so excited, though, to talk about the, these episodes. And we need a friend to do it. Oh, Rihanna, thank you. I literally almost forgot. <laughs> You're like, anyway, moving on. Anyway. Oh, right. Oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Okay. Okay, who's this cute person you pulled out of the bag, Rihanna? Um, original series check off. Wow, he he looks interesting. Yeah, Brianna says he kind of looks like Justin Bieber, and I can't unsee it. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> so. has thick eyeliner, I think, is the problem. Yeah, but the eyeshadow is there from the day, so. It's good. Respect. Um, Ashlyn, who did you choose? I have Keiko. Yes! Oh, she's missing an arm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. As with a lot of Ashlyn's action figures. Like, what's missing limbs? With me. Oh, I'm so sad. But Keiko does look, like, great besides You could honestly arm. get some Gorilla Glue and then she could just never move her arm again. <laughs> but True. True, true. Yeah. Yeah, because okay, it's not no. just, like, her arm fell off, like, her body caved in. It's very oh, sad. Oh, no. Anyway. <laughs> well, I'm so glad she's here and that you picked a Deep Space Nine character. That's excellent. Yeah, she's period specific. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, Rihanna, here we go. Take me out to the hollow suite. In the podcast, my dad wrote a porno. After Jamie says the title of the chapter, it goes like, bow, 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 bow. So that's how I felt. I was like, all right, and here's the title. Take me out to the hollow suite. And then we need like some music to play, you know? <laughs> but we need it to be like uh, organ baseball music. Okay, Rihanna. All right, let's do it. Bring me in to the glory that is this episode. This is when Benjamin Sisko is essentially challenged to a game of baseball by his nemesis question mark Sol Solok who is a Vulcan uh captain yep Vulcan captain who was in the same class as Cisco in Starfleet and they have an old feud <laughs> because of a wrestling match that then Solok rubbed in his face for what 20 probably odd years or more <laughs> like this is a bitter Vulcan <laughs> Vulcans who hold a grudge are like very scary because they will come and challenge you to a game that you love most. <laughs> like how niche and like so dramatic. This is just Vulcans. <laughs> like... 
Brianna, it's such a good point. And not only, like, he, I mean, he goes in 100% of the way because he's like, not only am I going to learn this game that my rival loves, I'm going to make my entire crew, like, assumingly the senior officers, play <laughs> this game and we're going to kick Cisco's booty to, yeah. I feel like S is PG-13. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're gonna, he want, he's gonna like, we're gonna kick his ass at his own game. Like his whole crew. And I ask you, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> um, how did he convince them that this was a logical argument? I don't know. I don't know. But what's great about this episode is like making the Vulcans the foe is such a twist and such a fun surprise because you might expect them to be fighting Klingons or like Cardassians, like characters Mm -hmm. that we already think of as the antagonists. So to have the Vulcans who we've loved since, well, we don't know that we don't like them on Enterprise, but um, (laughs) like everyone loves Vulcans, you know, happy birthday Spock. Um, And and they've been such an important part of the Federation for so long. I guess DS9 is just here to remind us that you can't always get along with them. <laughs> you have to sort of differentiate the the character over their species because of like, course, of course, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this Vulcan's hella bitter and also just smug. Like we learn that he is really kind of a Vulcan supremacist. I guess. <laughs> um, I don't know. He just he thinks that Vulcans are superior to humans and to any emotionally inflicted or something he said like just some harsh language and so it's clear that Cisco has got a lot of pent-up just frustration and anger at Solok from what he's put Cisco through all these years writing these papers about their fight and everything it's just it's to a point of like cruelty in my opinion and so I totally understand and I love that scene when she te- when he tells Cassidy about it and she's like you've got to tell the crew they'll understand you know They'll be even more passionate to win this game. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. The first notes I literally have for this entire holodeck series is Solok is a dick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because he's just the worst. He he comes out swinging. Terrible. Mm -hmm. I thought this was another great example of... We have to gather the senior officers to talk about a holodeck situation. Oh my which god, you're right. We start we started to see a next generation when Picard gets really excited about the holodeck and calls them all for a meeting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is sort of similar, except Cisco goes a step further and he says, And you're all coming with me on the yes. holodeck and we're gonna play baseball and we're gonna beat the Vulcans. It's honestly great how quickly they all just hop on board. I also thought it was great that, so Rihanna, you were talking about how they're so willing to go with Cisco on this, even before he explains to them that this is because of, I mean, like, yeah, they know it's his rival, but they don't know why, they don't know what the deal is. They're so willing to go along with Cisco. I also think he has such a, like, powerful presence on the ship, and he's such a great captain, everyone loves and respects him so much. And he also says, you all have at least seen one game of baseball with me. On the hollow suite. So that means he's individually like taking them all to see baseball. So he's essentially just taking everyone out to hollow suite dates. <laughs> and I don't know, there's something so beautiful about that because not a lot of people like baseball. Like even people my age, I, I feel yeah. like baseball's dying. Like this generation, no one's gonna like sports. Maybe I'm just not <laughs> hanging out with sporty people, but. Um, yeah, depends. and I, I am hanging out with mostly musicians, so this could be why, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I fair. just think it's great that this goes like, I don't care. You're coming to baseball with me. Let's go. I think it's half like, oh my gosh, it's my commanding officer. 
I should go at other half life. This could be really fun because mm-hmm. I have no idea what's going on and he can tell me things or we can just like, I don't know. I think any kind of personal field trip that Cisco asks you on sounds delightful, especially to a baseball game. Also, he's so passionate. It actually really reminds me of my dad because yeah. he's so passionate about it. He kind of spreads that contagiously amongst everyone else. Totally. So you get swept up in it and it's just great. And that's how I feel in this episode. Uh, yeah, I love the tension and I love the way that it feels like I'm watching a game, you know, but it, of course, very fast time because I think it's the last like 15 minutes of the episode that they actually play the game. Yeah, they're just training. I'd have to say a couple words about their outfits, which I've talked about on yes. the pod before. Like, again, like Quark's baseball outfit is just amazing. Oh. Like, oh, just go back and look at a picture of him. He looks glorious. Um, they all look so good. Yeah, there no one's in workout clothes, like not a soul. <laughs> and I just have to think maybe they have like different material their clothes are made out of where they can sweat and I think so. It doesn't Readable. matter. Wow. And they have to kind of wear baseball stuff, you know, and they have to wear those like short pant baseball pants and long socks and well, stuff. Well, when so. they're finally playing, yeah, but Maybe they just want to trade like that. The They're workout. Like, I was just sleeves. like, well, and like Lita's in a dress. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, I love what Lita and Rom and Quark and Nog all have that discussion about like, if Rom really wants to try out for the team and Lita does too. And I love that Quark is so against it that he's like, okay, what time's tryouts? Yeah. <laughs> and he's there. And then he's there the entire time. <laughs> yeah. And he is committed. I saw him slide home. Like... <laughs> Are you kidding me? I've never seen Quark work so hard, and it just, like, shows his glow up throughout these seasons. By season seven, he's, like, it's just such a, like, has such a different dynamic character. Yeah, absolutely. I loved, there was a scene where someone got a hit or something, and Quark was, like, squealing. He was like, yes, yes! (laughs) Like, he He was was freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love the school. I love up. that. Um, yeah, I I did think so. The reason this is called Cisco's obsession, obviously, is because he's obsessed with wanting to win the game, and yeah. I think he takes this out mostly on Rom because Rom yeah. is like not hand eye coordinated. There are so many amazing scenes of Rom trying to catch the ball and trying to hit mm-hmm. the ball, and it's just not his thing. Uh, and Cisco, I think, very wrongly kicks him out, but totally. So, Cisco just can't see that this is about fun to the squad and not really about winning um, because he's just so determined to beat the Vulcans, which is, like, as Cisco even says, it's one of my favorite lines at the beginning of the episode when Cisco says, yeah, the Vulcans are, like, definitely superior to us, like, physically and mentally. <laughs> but we have a, we have Worf and our genetically enhanced doctor on our side. <laughs> And then guess which genetically enhanced doctor did not hit one single ball in the game. I I just, I felt like Worf was carrying an unfair share of the burden to do well. Yeah, we have Worf. (laughs) Like, okay, maybe Worf can hit home runs, but like, or or maybe Worf, I don't even know. Like, maybe he can run fast, but if he can't like hit far, (laughs) then. Maybe Cisco thought about him in Far Beyond the Stars being that like baseball star. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Great yeah. point, Rihanna. He's got it all but, up there somewhere. Well, I think Cisco too. Low key, I was laughing so hard because Worf is just a ride or die in this episode, and he is in um, Bada Bing Bada Bang as well. Yes. As, wait, is he that? Yeah. Wait. Yeah, he is. Okay. Sorry. Um, and no, wait. no, he's not. 
No. I don't think he's in it. I think he's someone said not. Worf would never agree. Because yeah, Worf's he, just like, Vic is nothing. He was like, sing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sing hologram slave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he would not. Worf is really not into holograms. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I don't, I don't no, I don't think, think he's he in it. Yeah, anyway. Well, <laughs> he's, he, he is, he's a writer time. died for Cisco, and, yes. and he's very death to the opposition. <laughs> yes. Well, even in the beginning, right when he says, like, they're, like, to a competition, and Worf goes, we will crush them. <laughs> so, you know that, like, he doesn't even know what the competition is yet, and he's ready to, to win. And that's what Cisco needs. He needs to mess with just, like, wild, blind drive. <laughs> like him. <laughs> But yes, he, he he girl bosses too close to the sun, and Rom gets hurt because of it. And it's not cool. I was like, so, I was feeling so upset because everyone on the team said they were going to quit if Rom didn't get his position back. And then Rom, like, basically talked them out of it. And I'm like, that is just such, like, cancer energy. <laughs> like, no, no, please step on me, doormat. Like, I'm totally <laughs> fine. Everyone else's wishes are above mine. I was like, Rob, you can't let anyone treat you that way. Even yourself, bro. Like, let them actually do that for you. Because Cisco would be like, oh, yeah, you're right. I was being stupid. A lot earlier than the middle to end of the game. <laughs> this part is always so sad to me. I really identify with Rom. I saw a TikTok, which is where I get all my mental health advice, and it said, I'm the type of person that would rather do something for someone else rather than be in an uncomfortable situation, even if it's, like, taking something away from me. Yeah. And I just, like, blinked and had to reread that a couple times because there's so many situations where I would rather the other person not be uncomfortable then because mm-hmm. I'm fine with being comfortable I can deal with that I can shove it down and be like uh it's fine but that person I love or this person in a professional situation or anything like they have to be pleased and yeah. that has gone too far and I'm just here to say like me and Rom need to team up and stop Same. that nonsense in 2023 and yeah. say yeah actually Cisco's wrong for <laughs> taking Rom out of this and you all should quit <laughs> Yeah, and don't let him talk you out of it. And Ashlyn, I feel like we both do this to each other, so we're always trying to oh, please each other. Oh, we get caught in a trap sometimes. <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. And I'm like, oh my god, we're like <laughs> we could, what we could do is just like be our amazing selves who talk about what we want. So I'm like, oh my gosh, Ashlyn and I just need to check each other on that as well. So Rom deserves better, and I'm glad that he gets this bunt at the end um, that got them their point. And they got their manufactured... Oh, manufactured triumph. They got their manufactured triumph. When you were talking about Cisco girl boss too close to the sun, I thought you were talking Mm -hmm. about where he literally gets kicked (laughs) out of the game. Yeah. Because that's the thing that brings him out of the whole thing is Mm -hmm. once he's thrown out, he's like, oh man, like Mm -hmm. I broke one of the rules of baseball, like something that I love so much and I'm taking this way too seriously. Just send Rom out. There's literally nothing to lose, you know? It was literally. like 0 to 10 at that point. Yeah, and it was only because Worf was so close to hitting one, finally. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. That was because they had a runner on base. That was a real sad moment. But everything worked out, and it was a great day for the Niners. Yeah, and I just want to give a quick shout-out to Jake and to Cassidy. First, to Jake, first and foremost, because... He had to pitch that entire game against Vulcans, 
Um, that's incredible. He didn't have any relievers. Yeah, there's no any, backups. <laughs> anyone. <laughs> I was thinking that too, Rihanna, and I was like, these are all Vulcans. Like, yeah. When Bashir was like fixing his elbow and stuff, and I was like, oh my god, yeah, like this is insane. And then Cassidy as well, just for literally coming in clutch and also adding some context for the rest of the bridge crew, because then they could, then they were way more into it, and they're like, oh man, we understand Cisco's need for you know like to show Salak that he's not just this emotional human. Yeah, absolutely. Also shouting out Cassidy because literally she came like out of work. <laughs> she like stepped directly off her freighter. Cisco says, hey, good to see you. We got to go play baseball. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. and it's been so long since they've seen each other. And he's like, what are you doing the next couple hours? And she's like, I don't know. Thinking, oh, we're going to go like do it, yeah. you know? Ooh, yeah. And now he's like, okay, we're going to play baseball. Bye. Like, let's go. <laughs> So, shout out to Cassidy for just going with the flow. Yeah, I love her. Love her. All right, it's rapture time. This is not the one where uh, Jake and Kira are possessed, like I thought. Um, this is actually one, but it, it's also Bajor related. So, Cisco and Dax and, I don't know, Cisco's like hanging out and he is looking at a like model of this ancient town on Bajor and he gets like, really into it. I'm going to say obsessed with it. And so he's recreating like every part of the town in the holodeck or on in the hollow suite. And he's looking at the symbols and he's like, wow. And he gets zapped by energy. And this is a amazing classic trope that we get to see in a holodeck episode. Cisco's zapped by energy. It happens a lot. And All the time. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's always zapped. <laughs> and so then after the intro, Bashir tells us that essentially, like, he's on shrooms, so his, like, <laughs> eyesight is, like, everything's way more colorful, and he's, like, very, like, interacting with everything around him. He's very susceptible to his, like, environment, and he's just hanging out in the Hollow Suites every chance he gets because he's obsessed with this town, and he ends up having a sacred vision, a pa-tem-fa, as Kira calls it. And Rihanna, this was reminding me of the, you, you know what I'm talking about because I forget all the names, but the guy who was like writing a story and it was like the best poem of all time and then the guy knocked yeah. on his door. The person from Porlock. Yeah. So Kira. Knocked on Samuel Coleridge's door. Yeah. Kira is the person yeah. from Parlock because she like wakes Cisco mm -hmm. up out of his trance and he like understood the pattern of everything that was happening to Bajor, like including the the occupation and the coming war and everything that has happened and he understood all of it until she woke him up so this was a really interesting episode it is directed by michael dorn i just wanted to note Woo! i didn't see that thank you mm -hmm. wow it was it was interesting I, I thought that we would get more of a like geordie investigates using the holodeck you know to figure out the footage but it was more just seeing cisco like looking at this obelisk <laughs> and food reminded him of it and so it was an interesting take on it but we didn't get a lot of hollow sweet time but it was still worth mentioning because it was such a useful device for him to understand where this ancient lost city was yeah and the fact that those images like the pillars like triggered his vision is pretty significant too from something that's just replicated so just like a nice casual use of the hollow suite in everyday life everyday yeah. um jesus bajoran jesus life <laughs> <laughs> yeah it happens the usual 
Brianna, I think it's time to transition to our non-HR compliant section. This is always uh, a riot, and this is where yeah. we have the, the most uh, interesting conversations. So let's skip on over to Meridian, an episode that is rare to see. Dax falls in love with a rando. <laughs> Period. Not as rare as you think. <laughs> Poor Terry Farrell is being shoved on a lot of randos in these episodes. Yeah, I, I feel like this is the origin of the question, how far down do those spots go? Yeah. And it's a shame <laughs> that it came I... from an episode and not from just creeps. <laughs> My guess is that it came from Rick Berman. Mm. So, <laughs> that's enough about that. <laughs> Rihanna, we should have asked John Billingsley the other week about, <laughs> about <Rick> Berman. Berman. <laughs> <laughs> really just kicked that door wide open. Yeah, so I really didn't want to add this one because it's pretty despicable, and we're not even talking about the Dax parts, <laughs> which are also kind of despicable. At least he treats her just terribly at the beginning. But we're talking about the Quark parts, where he wants to get a hollow image of Kira. But really, the reason I put this is because of Lower Decks and the absolutely wonderful episode Here All Trust Nothing about Deep Space Nine. And if you haven't seen it, please go back and watch. We're going to probably be talking about it a little bit. Um, But they do mention this episode, Meridian, in that Lower Decks episode. And I was like, we have to watch it. There's a literal hollow sweet connection here. And yeah, it's just very terrible what Quark is trying to do. He's trying to get a hollow image of Kira for this like creep stalker guy who saw her at a party and was like hitting on her and making advances that she did not want. And he got so desperate that he wanted a hollow image of Kira to do like terrible things with and so I am just like so annoyed at Quirk always you know because he time and time again will go the money route and instead of the like morality route you know and the hollow suite really makes that a lot easier because you can like with Barkley and with Jordy you can he can brush away the consequences or just hide it, you know? And so, but he's, luckily he's not very good at these attempts. No, he's not. Rihanna, this brings up an interesting point because in Next Generation, it was so easy to get images of everyone on the Enterprise. Like they had mm-hmm. all the images downloaded, I guess, already. But in Deep Space Nine, there are, there are several references implying that it's, not easy to get someone who already exists onto the hollow suite. We have Quark going through all these troubles, and this is Jeffrey Combs in this episode. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, amazing. One of one of the great um, guest appearances that he does. Mm-hmm. I think it shows that they are they as in Starfleet. Although Quark isn't Starfleet, I guess just like mm-hmm. hollow policy, maybe. Yeah. I don't know who's who's like laying down the law here besides Odo. I don't know whose rules he's following. But nobody wants to have this Barkley issue of I'm on the hollow suite, like doing romantic things with someone that I know. So I think that's mm-hmm. good. Like it shows that there's a step, but there obviously are ways to make this happen. And this is what Quark is trying to do. Yeah, precisely. And it's interesting because I think the whole difference here is the fact that you're right. Like it's not Starfleet property technically, and it's also a station and so they have to probably be a lot more careful about like the comings and goings of the people using the hollow suites and like what they're doing in there and all this stuff because it's not just like one ship of people who can get reprimanded because you're in the middle of nowhere (laughs) you know like they can easily just get out of there um with a shuttle or through the wormhole (laughs) you're gone (laughs) like damn 
<laughs> Odo so. can't catch you unless you turn into your bag. <laughs> yeah, he might be your bag. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was just so frustrating to see Quark do this, but incredible that, of course, Kira and Odo were able to turn the tables on him and put his face on Kira's body. Yeah, just a joy to see. Love it. <laughs> How good is that? And somehow Mariner has a copy of this. <laughs> Goals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, not good. No. Oh. So, I mean, this moves, this goes right into our man Bashir because this also has a, a like, crazy uh, use of Kira and everyone. Yeah. So, this is, I think genius and some people Rihanna you might fight me some of our listeners might fight me on this because after watching Next Generation I thought there was like no more good excuses to get Mm -hmm. our senior staff into a holodeck or a holosuite and have them interact with the story like Mm -hmm. on accident and somehow Deep Space Nine came up with this crazy techno babble explanation where the ship is like lost power (laughs) and during a transport the like spirits and bodies of (laughs) o'brien cisco kira dax and maybe that's oh and wharf um have all been like stored in the hollow suite because at the time bashir and garrick just snuck right in which give me a sec replace the love interest yeah i i have a lot to unpack about this one um but I just thought this was a hilarious way to, like, get everybody in this episode, like, we can still pay every Brooks this week because he was, like, a villain on the holodeck. They're really showing some, like, cheesy thought behind how to, like, get these episodes going. So I I really enjoyed it. Yeah. See, Ashlyn, this is what I war with in my head because I think it's such a clever way to get them all on here. But it's so awful that they're all unconscious like if they were conscious if it was maybe more of a oh the only way to get us out of here is to play it through and no one can die and they all knew that that then kira can put on a russian accent and make it really funny but there's no kissing involved and there's no non-consensual kissing so i just think that like that's where it just has rick berman's fingerprints you know and these sort of like sexist takes that didn't need to be there (laughs) he's just getting Um, just murdered on this episode (laughs) okay i'm gonna say it i'm shitting on rick berman this episode and you know because it shows later on that an, an episode like this that i loved as a kid i'm now seeing it like oh lord i want to love this so badly but i have like these just fundamental issues with it but the premise you're right is just genius so i don't feel quite as strongly as you Mm do obviously it's not good the thing i don't know for sure because there's this whole conversation that odo and (laughs) odo and quark (laughs) and rom have and eddington yeah um crazy the people left (laughs) yeah boggles the mind Uh, but quark of all people comes up with the explanation he says because it's like, oh, their um, their bodies were transferred onto the holodeck. So there are the bodies. And then someone goes like, but where are their minds? And Quark is like, uh, Holosuite can't handle the mind. Like a human brain has so much data in it. So the entire station is handling the neural energy. And so it completely shut down the ship and it's taking up life support and everything. And Eddington and Rom say, you're right. So 
it's hard because I it's it is like just their bodies and they have no memory they will never have a memory it's not like they experienced it and their memories were erased it's that literally their their brains were not in their bodies at that moment and so it's a, it's a very tricky line because it's still your body that you have to inhabit for the rest of your life so like if anything happens like they're they're trying to keep everybody alive which Garrick is being very like weird about but oh, uh boy, yeah. well and of course the holodeck safeties are off it wouldn't be a Sweet episode without that um <laughs> yeah so they can't kill anyone i don't know i i guess i just don't view it as bad it's not like they're repressing trauma i don't know it's still not good though i mean just in general it's, it's their, just the it's writing not good. julian bashir like what literally went on in the minds of the writers to think that well it's james bond rihanna like yeah it's but like it's all bond like literally those his, are your crew members my dude his, that's kira Dereese's body you're kissing like yeah he shouldn't have done that that's true yeah yeah i mean and she is a great character on her own like she even says mm-hmm. like earring you know so yeah yeah it's not good i was gonna say his assistant's yeah. name is mona likes it <laughs> Yeah, of um, course, it's gotta be. Like, so or, many Bond references. It's not a sexist name, then <laughs> it's not a Bond movie. Yeah, it's just, it, yeah, it, it just sucks because, like, it definitely does cloud my view of this episode, but also makes for such a fun episode, too, and I really love that the all the men get a really fun role in this, and I think that's where the episode shines most, sadly, is when we're not really seeing the women you know like not Jadzia putting down her hair when Julian asks and stuff like I just I love to see when Cisco is plotting the demise of everybody and it's got a very Bond feel that I just don't like know enough about or or have like seen enough Bond movies to have nostalgia for well and that's what I was gonna say is like like it or not they're trying mm-hmm. to just make a Bond episode from yeah like just putting in as many references as possible and that unfortunately includes like the terrible way that Bond treats women and how like dumb and stupid most of the women are in James Bond's movies not the recent ones but like you know Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about everyone like the Sean Connery's like they're classics but they're very problematic Mm -hmm. and it's not great that it brings it over from Bond movies but I think a shining moment with all of that is Garrick because especially when him and Bashir are tied up at the end, which I have mm-hmm. so many great quotes from this, but one is, Garrick says, I really don't want to die strapped to a 20th century laser. Same. Yes. Um, and then as, you know, Dax is coming over and actually, like, being enchanted by Bashir's words, and she's taking off her glasses, which she doesn't even need to to be hot. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Literally, uh, that's hot on its own. Jesus, Lord. <laughs> um and Gara keeps saying things like, kiss the girl, get the key. They never taught me that in the Obsidian Order. <laughs> and so I yeah. think, like, Garrick is here to poke fun at these tropes and mm-hmm. say this was a different time. This program that he's running is period-specific. But yeah. I'm not saying that it's not wrong. I'm just trying totally. to justify, like, why it's in here at all, you know? Yeah, well, I love Garrick's role in this because it does then give us, like, a sort of a queer context to look at this episode through, and I just really like to think about, like, Garrick really did literally make the girlfriend run off (laughs) and took her place as Julian's, like, partner in this, and I think it was just fabulous the way it was done. It was so fun to see exactly Garrick poking fun at those tropes 
like rolling his eyes. Garrick is like, is that your plan? Really? Like what is going on? And so yeah, it's just, oh man. It's such a fun episode too, because it's, we get all the fun parts of Hollow Suite and Holodeck episodes are like the costuming and the otherworldliness of it, you know? And the familiarity of like Earth, because it's usually an Earth program. <laughs> so it's just really enjoyable to see a different type of episode too. Absolutely. I really thought the beginning part of the scene, you know, you're talking about Garrick, I thought this whole thing could have been an orgy in a different rated <laughs> television show because we have O'Brien coming in in his Falcon costume. And I, I mean, O'Brien Bashir is such a famous ship. Mm -hmm. um, and then with Garrick here, I think it does add that tension. And then also to have Kira there. This is the other thing I was going to say, Rihanna, is that um, Nana Visitor and um, Alexander Siddig were married at this time. Mm -hmm. And so any excuse to throw in a romantic scene, they're going to take, you know. Which um, they did twice, which is very impressive, honestly. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they made it work is pretty mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah, so yeah. they're adding that in as well. It just reminds me that all of these DS9 characters are so intertwined, and you could have any ship with anyone, and I would say it's likely. <laughs> totally. Oh my god, yeah. And I think, too the stakes are really well done in this episode because I do feel like, oh man, if any of these holograms were to die in the program, then they will be erased from the computer's memory and therefore die in real life and the safeties are off. So either way, human or hologram, you could be, they could, anyone could have died during this. And Garrick really does take the stance of let's quit while we're ahead and just say exit program and get out of here and leave the others to possibly die. And that is just diabolical, you know, and, and kind of classic Garrick in some of these moments of the, this is his Obsidian Order teaching. Yeah, it's fascinating. That's what he says to Bashir. And then Bashir yeah. uses that same speech in, at yeah. the end of the episode, <laughs> saying that the reason I'm still alive and all my colleagues are dead is because I knew when to quit. And this is when you mm -hmm. quit, Julian. Which, of course, like... Julian's in Starfleet. He's not... He's a doctor. He's not gonna yeah. let all of his friends die. Like, I'm no. positive... I mean, it, it didn't work out this way, but if he would have had to die to save all of his friends, he probably would have. Yeah. Um, couple of shining moments for me. Um, you know, we're talking about all of the actors get to do something that they don't normally get to do week after yeah. week with these characters. I thought the most baller moment was Worf blowing smoke rings. It's yes. like, oh my gosh, Michael Dorn is just showing off right now. So cool. <laughs> that was the coolest moment. Just, the white suit. Oh, Lord. Swooning. Like, Dead. Yeah. He's beautiful. Even, like, getting destroyed at, um, at Baclar, Baclari, Baclari, what, what, Baccaray? <laughs> what was this game they were playing? I'm gonna be embarrassed oh, if it's man. a real game, because I'm just slaughtering the name. Um, I don't remember. Ba Baccaray or something, but Julian has yeah. a great line after he, like, just totally, like, smokes Worf. He says, well... Bakara and geology are my life. <laughs> it's, just, it's like saying poker in my job or my life. Like, what a strange life, dude. Spock is like science, science and, and chess. chess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, not wrong there. Yeah. Happy birthday, son. Um, and then the last thing I want to bring up, which maybe is not that important, but to our holodeck series it is, Rihanna. At the beginning of the episode, when Garrick appears, Julian is furious. And he's like, why did you break into my program? That's illegal. I could have you arrested for this. Yeah. 
when did that Whoa. change? <laughs> That's gonna be a quarks bar like legality because like, he can't have any loopholes. Like, he can't have anyone be suing him. I mean, I guess that he's keeping it airtight. Yes, and also he's. It's like very strict. Like your time is done. You're, yeah. Like, you can't come in early, you know? Like, there's jokes in Lower Decks where Shax comes in, like, ten minutes early to his holodeck oh, time. So now, he yeah. would be arrested at court if he came yeah. ten minutes early. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that was a really interesting difference. And we're seeing these differences in the Hollow Suites because they're, like, not Starfleet and they're just capitalism <laughs> entrenched. At its best. Yep. Yeah. Capitalism okay. really popped off today with the hollow suites. <laughs> um, I have to mention before, like, we're about to transition, but I have to say that, like, uh, Kira does have an amazing Russian accent for this episode. Yes. Um, that was so fun. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about his way. I love that her hologram was brought up again because this is the historic episode where Kira and Odo get together, thanks to Vic, because he works with Odo almost nightly. I almost renamed Vic uh, Dr. Richard Nightguard because he <laughs> was seeing Odo as a therapist just as often as Chris Trigger was in Parks and Rec. Um, totally. <laughs> and he helps Odo and Kira get together through even like reproducing Kira's likeness on the holodeck for Odo to practice with. And he yeah. makes a reference to it took me hours to get the Russian accent out of her. I like only found her because she was like in this episode of, of Dr. Bashir's. So yeah. it turns out none of their programs were deleted. <laughs> Crazy. Good thing Quark didn't get his hands on that. Um, because Vic is bad enough what he does here, but Quark, you know, we just talked about, <laughs> would do worse. And well, so... especially having Cisco's likeness, he could be like, oh, yes, I agree to bombing the Romulans tomorrow, you know? <laughs> like, anything could happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Delete those, y'all. Yeah, I go so back and forth with this because I, over the years, have grown to dislike Kira and Odo as a couple more, um, where I used to like them a lot more when I was younger. Um, but this episode still tugs at my heartstrings and there's still so many cute moments. Like, I think even without the Kira element, Odo just learning to come out of his shell more and to know, to learn how to have fun and to be a little looser and that the people around him are accepting that in him. And my favorite scene is actually not even Hollow Suite related, but it's when Cisco like encourages Odo to keep on singing along. He's like, why'd you stop? And then they sing together. It's like the cutest little moment and shows Odo's progress of sort of recovering from a very traumatic, like, upbringing. And, I don't know, just, like, also getting to spread his metaphorical wings a bit. And Vic is such a great guide for this on more than one occasion. And so it's really cool to see him shine in these ways. Um, but then he just goes overboard with the desire to get him and Kira together. Yes. I think Vic, we're going to see this again, I think he starts to take his role, like, too seriously as a guide or a friend because he cares so much about these people mm -hmm. and he's not really thinking too much about, like, is this a good idea or not? He's just like, mm -hmm. hey, let's just do it. It sounds great. I, I really agree with you that my opinion on the Kira-Oda relationship has changed throughout the years. I used to be the biggest shipper of them ever until mm -hmm. they got together. 
Yeah. Um, and I do, I think their relationship shines in this episode. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you that Odo uh, having this change is really important for his arc because we've been waiting for this to happen for Odo for a long time. This is season six, right? That he gets, yeah. this is a long time. We've known Odo for six years and he's been Nanak of the North the entire yeah. time. So totally. like, yeah, we get to see his personality come out and in interactions with Quark and things like that. But I thought this was a really wonderful way to see him in a totally new light. He's in a tux. He's in like terrible animation. <laughs> um, but he's relaxed and he's having a, a good time. Yeah. Okay. So question Ashlyn, why do you think that Vic didn't come clean and tell the truth, like, once they were both in the hollow suite? I think he figured that Odo would clam up and Mm -hmm. not show his true self, and for Kira to see the genuine change that had come upon Odo, he had to be caught unawares. I don't think it's right, but I think that's why he did it. Um, I think if he had just said, and this is the real Major Kira, like, here she is, Odo would have been like, watch, like, let's go. Yeah. But, like, all Kira, all Kira needs is, like, a sentence of, like, hey, yeah. I've been, I have deep feelings for you. Like, do you want to have dinner right now? You know? <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I guess he was just, like, so deep in his shell that this is what Vic thought was best. What are, what are your thoughts, Rihanna? Yeah, I'm really agreeing with you, Ashlyn. I think that that's exactly... Vic's intention and what he's think he's he's kind of assuming how Odo will react instead of just letting him you know and I think that takes away his choice a bit and that's why Odo and Kira get so mad at him and rightly so and I'm glad that you know they all sort of come together you know obviously Odo and Kira come together romantically but then uh Vic is able to you know apologize and say but like it did get you together. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the thing is, I think if this was anyone else, Kira would have, like, shut down the program yeah. <laughs> for finding out that anyone had used her likeness. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if she knows that Odo was practicing on Right, I don't think so. Hollow that's the Kira. other dicey part. Yeah, yeah that's dicey. Also, um, it shows that Odo's a better man than Bashir because... <laughs> And then I have a follow-up. He's a better man than Bashir because he actually does not kiss her. And he's just like, nope, I can't do this. This is wrong. I have to be with the real Kira for this. But I will say Odo is no Riker or Bashir because he does not realize that she's not a hologram. And I I just think about (laughs) Riker knowing, like, yep, I'm on a holodeck. Don't even try. No, you can't. Don't even try. Yeah, and then Bashir later is like, this is a holodeck. Like, come on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Odo's not quite there yet. He thinks he's like, oh, this is a human? Who knew? Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> she knows deep facts about my history. That's crazy. <laughs> he just goes, well done, Vic. Like, oh, my <laughs> like, God. I'm, like, internally cringing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cringe was a, a word I wrote a couple times on my notes. It's very cringe, that section. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, go Vic. He got them together at the end. (laughs) (laughs) He worked his little magic. So, Ashlyn, we were just talking about moments where you're trying to figure out if this is a hologram or not. Well, Dax and Odo come across this in our next section. This is the hollow suite. And I can't believe that they stumbled across an entire hollow sweet planet essentially <laughs> this is our gold mine colony. rihanna <laughs> yeah 
They were like, someday some people are going to be talking about holodecks in the wild. And, <laughs> and we already talked about one with Riker. We'll talk about one with Discovery. So, wow. <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, this is a crazy episode. I feel like this one is like... Inner light. I feel like this is like inner light but not breaking the prime directive because all these people are in a classic like star trek town where it's like very vague landmarks and everyone's wearing like very strange clothes dax and odo just happen to be there because they found some like strange anomaly and they're like let's go check it out um i mean it's all very classic and then they go down there and people are missing from the village and as odo is doing some classic odo investigation he realizes that no one has left the valley. Like, (laughs) exactly. And it seems like no one needs to. Like, no one travels. It's super weird. And once Odo confronts the Elder, and then also Dax helps to figure out what's going on, and uh, they find out that everyone is a hologram. They have proof because they take the Elder's granddaughter down past the valley and her hand starts to vanish. (laughs) Yes, poor thing. Like, oh no. Most traumatizing moment of her life. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a, this ending, I think, has a lot to unpack, but Rihanna, what were your thoughts about this episode? (laughs) My first thought is that I've left this fan on the entire time, so I just turned it off. So... Ashlyn, I find this episode really interesting, mainly because we don't get a Dax and Odo pairing a lot. You know, they're hardly ever on a mission together, and it provided a really interesting dynamic between the two because they're both investigators. She's a scientist, he's a security officer, so they both have a very analytical and logical mind, and so they figured this out pretty quickly and are going through a lot of different ideas of what it could be and why these villagers are disappearing. I just, I actually really like this episode and, you know, season two, say what you will about Deep Space Nine, but I think this one does a really great job of bringing in the ethical questions of hologram rights, like way before Voyager did, you know, and it's really exciting to think that like there were roots of this in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, absolutely, Rihanna. I mean, this is not HR compliant, but this is like holodeck existentialism for me, this episode, because I thought it was real light the way this episode ends. Thank you so much for bringing up Odo and Dax as a pairing, because absolutely fascinating to watch them together. makes me wish I saw more. They both have such logical minds. It's lovely to see. And I'm glad that they included the perspective of the village elder in this episode because he explains he came to this planet. He designed this whole village by himself with holotechnology because the Dominion came to his town and destroyed it and it was never the same again. So he like came alone as a colonist, created this thing. And yeah, still, even when all the characters are turned off and Dax is trying to fix the problem, he does not think that they are real and it takes odo and dax both talking to him trying to convince him like well like why were you consoling your granddaughter if you think she's fake you know Mm -hmm. like and and he begins to realize oh my gosh it's because i care about her and i don't want her to be upset so of course these characters are real and what like what this made me think about and i try not to think about I'm hesitant to, like, bring up Harry Potter these days just because of everything terribly sad that's happened with J.K. Rowling. But Mm -hmm. it does make me think about this seventh Harry Potter book where Harry asks Dumbledore, 
was any of this real or is it just happening all inside of my head? And Dumbledore responds, it is all happening inside of your head, but why should that mean that that isn't real? And that's one of my favorite lines like in literature because it affirms to me that the, the characters, the fictional characters that we love are real and they do give us strength. And so I'm just saying here that like Star Trek is real because yeah. they exist in our minds and we love them so much and they're like our friends. And um, I think you can apply this to hollow people as well, except it's even more legit with hollow characters because totally. you can interact with them and it, they feel like humans, like they have skin and like, sure, they're programmed, but especially with a village like this one, they decided to, like, procreate and bring children yeah. to this world. And it's combinations of both of the parents just, mm -hmm. like, mimicking perfectly society and or the society that they're trying to mimic. So, yeah, I just, I thought it was great to show that progression of his change of mind as the episode, as the crux of the episode went on. Yeah, Thank you so much for that, Ashlyn, and this debate is so important, and I'm really glad they get to talk about it, and we get to discuss it as well, because Odo is really understanding of being treated differently, and of feeling like lesser than, or doesn't deserve certain kind of uh, treat, like a certain kind of uh, rights, you know, and so I think that he relates to that enough t in order to get through to the Elder and to make him see that this is not how we should be treating each other and you know you love your family and they are your family regardless of if they're holograms or not and so I thought it was really interesting though at the end that he still he doesn't want them to know that he's the only non-hologram in the bunch and I don't know I think that's an interesting choice but it does isolate him in another way like he says because he doesn't want them to treat him differently but I think that creates his own kind of loneliness and separation from them great point Rihanna totally agree and it adds to the complication um this is deeply disturbing to me the way that the episode ends because of course they're out of time <laughs> they're 45 minutes is up we gotta go and the I don't know if it's the the son of the elder or just like another leader of the village I can't remember any of these dudes names but he says wait, so I am a hologram. I wonder who created all of this. And mm -hmm. and then the elder's like, we'll never know. Ooh, Crazy. Yeah. And I mm -hmm. just think this like, why am I alive question is way yeah. too light. And mm -hmm. they can't possibly like, they don't have the time to deal with this. But I feel like once again, like once Odo and Dax leaves, it's going to create some serious questions. Like, you find out yeah. you're a hologram. What's my purpose? Like, why am I alive? And those questions are tangible and I would find them very existential and frightening, personally. Totally. I mean, yeah. it makes me think about poor Dick Dixon Hill's, like, friend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who had that existential crisis. Yeah, That's know? what I'm thinking. I think they're trying to avoid that exact episode, Rihanna. So they're yeah. just like, oh, just don't think about Bye. it. Bye. Yeah. Enjoy your trip well, home. Exactly. And even the elder says, oh, you'll come and see us again soon sometimes, right? And Odo's like, yes, I will. And then I like narrated at the end. I was like, and they never heard from him again. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? Yeah. <laughs> so it happens. I mean, there's no and time. So it's done. No yeah. time for a crisis. We'll talk about it in Voyager. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Ashlyn, do you want to move on to Julian Bashir's crisis? <laughs> Poor baby. I do. 
Um, Poor guy, yeah. This truly. this was a record. So of course we're in the this is the hollow suite section, and it took thirty six minutes for Bashir to figure out that he was in the hollow suite. That's a long time. I remember this episode very vividly the first time I watched it because it's such a shock when you realize, oh my gosh, <laughs> Bashir, like none of this is real. And oh my god, you find it out at the end. It's like section 31 is here and they're testing him and Sloan. It, it just like what a great episode. Um, Rihanna, you wanna you wanna walk us through a little bit of what p- our poor dear doctor has to go through this episode? Sure. Yeah, um so essentially section 31 is worried that Dr. Bashir poses a threat to Starfleet because he spends five weeks in a Dominion prison camp and the Sloan, who is a member of Section 31, is concerned that he was manipulated during that time to be a spy for the Dominion. And so in order to test that, Section 31's method is to steal people from conferences they're going to and put them through an intense hollow suite hollow deck situation where essentially they are questioned at every turn and <laughs> deprived of sleep and this is what happens to deprived Julie. of food deprived of food yeah um this is exactly what happens to julian is he wakes up thinking oh my god how long did i sleep they gave him an hour is what he says later o'brien in the beginning hurts his shoulder kayaking which he hurts his shoulder kayaking in, D- in tng so i love that they're just continuing this trend i adored that i was like i just saw this episode last Literally. week yeah. <laughs> um and this is like just so important for later because it shows the slip up of information that they didn't know just like in Rikers with Future Imperfect, where he's thinking, oh, the minuet's a hologram, like she was never real in that sense. This, it just spirals into this continuous, just like mindscape of craziness where he's being questioned by Section 31 and held in his quarters, and then he gets arrested and is like brought into the brig, and then he gets beamed out of the brig <laughs> by Wyun 9 or one of the Wyuns. Mm-hmm. It's remarkable the technology that they use in order to manipulate these people. And it's also just very awful. Yeah, very awful. <laughs> Should this be in our non-HR compliant section? Yeah, right? Um, like, come on. But this is the way that Section 31 operates. They have to, they're not going to get their candidates under normal situations, which I guess makes sense. I, I thought they built a great sense of tension because we just followed Bashir's perspective the entire time. So even though you think, oh, the whole like station's been shut down for this, this is a huge deal going on. And I think it really starts ramping up when O'Brien like privately like PMs or DMs um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Bashir and it's like, I just got grilled for two hours about you. Like this is yeah. really serious. Oh my God. So trying to freak him out, you know, mm-hmm. and I, to Bashir's credit, he is just like a frustrated cucumber this entire episode. Yes. Like he's calm. There's like a couple times he flips, but it's mm-hmm. like it's not at Sloan. He's just like, oh sure, you okay, lol. You think I'm a traitor? I'm literally yeah. not. Like, can yeah. you get your shit together? You know, can mm-hmm. you get it together, Sloan? This is not none of this is true. This is all slander. Yeah. yeah. So I I think he does a great job handling this episode, even though he is going through all of these 
tests. Agreed. I love watching him slowly start to figure it out and these subtle things that they miss, like O'Brien's shoulder, and then there's something about Julian getting his, like, red tea that, like, Wyoon knows about, but also, like, you know, it's just, it's fascinating because there's these tiny things he picks up on, and I love that because it's showing, again, just sort of that scientific mind with such a great attention to detail, and this is also a frighteningly great representation of Deep Space Nine and of Wyoon and everything, like, they had a really scary model <laughs> of, uh, they had everybody, everyone, you know, again, poor Kira got another, uh, Holosuite character made off of her. <laughs> like, there's everyone on the bridge crew, and... Well, this is deep, this is section 31. They have yeah. hollows of everyone. Yeah. Yeah, literally. And they can use it as they please, because they're above the law or below it or whatever they want to say whichever direction yeah and so finally Bashir figures it out and he's finally back into the hollow suite and Sloan is you know I was real all along but the rest of it wasn't and then proceeds to offer Juliet a position in section 31 just just astounding <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that situation where you're like getting called to the principal's office and you're like oh my god what did i do i'm so stressed yeah. and it's like you won an award and you're yeah. like ah. <laughs> so true. i don't feel good still <laughs> yeah like i'm still concerned <laughs> why am i here <laughs> yeah so poor julia did good to go hang out on a beach <laughs> He was interrogated by Section 31 in a hollow suite. So. Yep, and he can't tell anyone. <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, he did, but... Yeah, but... No one, <laughs> no one will know. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Pack <laughs> it up, Section 31. <laughs> I don't want to see your antics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so Ashlyn, I would love to move on to our honorable mention sections before we close out our final category. Yes, please. Um... So these are the ones that are just mentions like last episode with TNG where we simply don't have enough time to watch all of these and there's frankly not enough of the episode to justify uh, having a whole section. But let's talk a little bit about these episodes. Just mentions of, first I want to start with Time's Orphan, which is a tragically difficult episode to watch, um, but the Hollow Suite is essential in helping Molly, who has aged plus 10 years i think uh she can barely speak english like, yeah yeah only physically aged uh it helps her adapt to her world in a gentler way that like only a hollow suite could do because it gives her the, her surroundings that she's used to all of this kind of stuff so that is a really beautiful use of the hollow suite Yep, period. That's all we're saying. <laughs> yep. And then next is A Man Alone, which is a kind of murder investigation, but the, the murder just takes place in the hollow suite and the rest of it is not occurs there. So, ooh, scary. Ooh. <laughs> but still, shout out. Uh, next we have Blood Oath, which is a very Klingon episode, which has a lot of Batleth fighting scenes and speeches of honor and ceremonies and such uh, done in the hollow suites. Classic. And also, uh, some more ceremonies here. We have uh, Looking for Parmok and All the Wrong Places, which is, of course, the courting ceremony that Worf literally is able to manipulate Quark's movements to 
fight this fight for Grilka. Uh, Lady Grilka, yeah. So <laughs> wonderful episode. Thanks, Hollow Sweet, for letting Worf do that. And then you are cordially invited, where of course t- Worf's Klingon bachelor party takes place. <laughs> um, blood, pain, suffering, anguish, and death. And I think you forgot then... sacrifice also. Oh, sacrifice, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the most important one. Yeah. Um, and then closing out, we have After Image, which is Ezri helping Garrick with his claustrophobia via the Hollow Suite. And just really, again, a lovely way of showing that the Hollow Suites can actually be fairly therapeutic and helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Boom. Um, Rihanna, thank you for finding those just lovely honorable mentions there. Yeah. Okay, Rihanna, yeah. it's Vic time. It's Vic's, Vic's way. It's now Vic's lounge. <laughs> yes. Um, I just am so happy this is basically a tribute to Vic Fontaine. He is so special to me, you know, and I think he has a really special connection to each of these characters. And so let's discuss again his way in a different way. <laughs> Yay. Okay. I can finally share all of my little fun facts I've gathered. <laughs> yes. So this episode was actually the only Star Trek episode ever nominated for a like musical Emmy. <laughs> Dang, that's amazing. Yeah, it didn't win, but it was nominated, and no other Trek episode has been nominated, like, for a musical before, because there are so many fantastic, like, musical, or there are so many fantastic songs and performances in this episode. I also, I was looking at the casting that, of course, James Darren is Vic Fontaine. When they were doing casting for this role, they looked at a lot of people and a lot of uh, famous singers, including like Tom Jones. Can you imagine for this role? Wow, that's <laughs> like amazing. insane. The reason that they casted him, James mm-hmm. Darren, is because he they didn't even realize that he was in character until they started recognizing like the lines they had given him for the audition because he was just so natural at being Vic and he just inhabited this role so much. And I think the casting is like a huge reason why this role works so much and why he is such a beloved character because yeah. he's he just he's real even even though he's hollow he's exactly. um he's not afraid to be a little off the cuff or um just be honest like mm-hmm. hey i have to go perform something so you have to have your emotional meltdown somewhere else Literally. you know <laughs> he's like i still have, i'm on the clock pally <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. the thing i was going to say also is that um odo has a line where he says oh i'm no singer in his way but actually renee arbenois is a emmy winning actor emmy winning singer uh for the musical coco he what so he is a singer <laughs> that's like, amazing but he's not it's a piano like, player yeah it's like picard saying i'm not much of an actor <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're talking about pat sir patrick stewart like, yeah. Me? yeah yeah exactly so i thought I that was that. a great moment mm-hmm. um a, a favorite vic line from this episode also is uh once he meets the real kira he uh he just like pops in on her meditating session which i just <laughs> i am delighted by because he and this is going to open up a whole other can of worms he can control the hollow suite program, like he can say computer and program, he can say turn on the program. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but just in this situation, he transfers himself to Kira's program, says, yeah. Hey, come to dinner with me on the holodeck at nine. 
very late for dinner for an adult, by yeah. the way. Can you imagine eating dinner at nine? I Rihanna? guess Kira's working till like six or seven. So. I don't think they're ever off duty, personally. Yeah, Kira, especially. Yeah, but um, Kira d- says something like sassy to him, and she says, mm-hmm. he says, geez, talk about your cranky aliens. <laughs> Just delighted by Vic at every turn, and I think this is a fantastic opening episode for him. And also, I'm just I'm bringing up all the conversation starters. Um, yeah. Someone random named Felix created this program, and he, that. he's talked about and never seen. And I'm just gonna say that I'm Felix. <laughs> I I created. <laughs> wow, Vic she's Fontaine. coming out of the shadows, yeah. telling the her story. <laughs> I was three years old, and I cre- <laughs> created Deep Space Nine. Um, (laughs) amazing yeah this is so good because felix created vic and he truly is unlike any other holograms we've seen i think maybe comes in comparison to minuet um or moriarty you know in different ways but he's more emotionally in tuned and people in tuned and so he can pick out from all of them the moment he meets them like he'll perform one song and he can tell everything about them uh, he knows who's married, who's pining, <laughs> who's single, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> He's just tagging them all on AO3. He's like, okay, you guys are enemies to lovers. <laughs> like, I see it. <laughs> um, I'm dead. Yeah, so it really cracks me up. But um, I, I just love getting to see Vic continue to grow throughout these episodes. So are we ready to move on? Or... Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Luckily, we are not talking about any other portion of this episode except um, except a small piece in the middle. Uh, this is Tears of the Province, <laughs> the season six finale. And if you all remember what happens, then you know what's coming. Don't mention it. <laughs> yeah. So we see that Vic is singing Here's to the Losers to Bashir and Quark. Um, and this is just the worst, I think, <laughs> the worst <laughs> part of the scene for Vic. Uh, Vic, no problems here. I have no no issue with him. I have an issue with the fact that Cork and Julian are mourning because Judzia Dax wants a child with her husband Worf and they think, oh no, that's it. My final shot is gone. And I just cannot fathom their logic. And as Vic calls them clueless fools or something, or he's like, they're he, he's like, you oh, but they are clueless. And I'm like, literally, you should have completely turned off any of hope when she got married or, I don't know, like, when she told you no and <laughs> respected her boundaries. It yeah. was it's just so ridiculous. When she rejected their mourning. She rejected each of them several times. <laughs> several, yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, this is such a weird scene. And <laughs> just... Just in this episode, this is, it's just shocking. Agree with you. Vic is 10 out of 10. And, of course, his his tune, Here's to the Losers, a fantastic yeah. song I never knew about. But, boy, do I hear it now and think of Quark and Bashir. My only, literally, my only notes for this scene was Quark and Bashir, they're dumb. <laughs> exactly. I'm good. Completely dumb. <laughs> yeah. Idiots. Yep. Um, and so now, moving right along, (laughs) (laughs) to Image in the Sand, this is 
season seven, episode one. So again, we all know what happened. And now Worf can't sleep for that reason. <laughs> He's for some reason, photos. Worf is really sad and Dax yeah. is gone. It's it, uh, yeah, I don't it's, know what happened. Yeah. It's, um, it's almost like Worf left, lost his second wife in oh. two se- series. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm <laughs> just ignoring what Ashley said <laughs> and moving right along. Um, Worf goes, decides to go to Vic because he wants to hear a song that he cherished with Jadzia. We hear in the episode uh, his way where Ashley was talking about Vic popping in on Kira. We hear that he is performing for Jadzia and Worf. And so they're probably hearing this song... Um, all the way. Beautiful song. Go listen to Vic perform it. I think, Ashlyn, we should just post all of these uh, YouTube clips on our Patreon feed so everyone could go listen to Vic Fontaine. So actually, there is a shortcut. Um, we will definitely do that. But also, if you just go on Spotify and search James, I, I actually just searched DS9 and a uh-huh. playlist came up called DS9 Songs slash Vic Fontaine. And it has James Darren performing all <gasps> these songs. It's not like the actual clips from the shows, but sure. I mean, I mean, wow. I'll I'll just tell you, please, like, p- post that on our Patreon. As well. I've got the world on a string, sitting on a rainbow. Got the string around my finger. What a world! What a life! I'm in love. So that was only 19 seconds. They can't sue us for that. So um. <laughs> gorgeous. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So you can find James Darren has recorded songs. I, I would encourage you if you loved him as much as if you if you current day love him as much as Rand and I do. Worf just uses him as Spotify, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's really really funny. Um, yes, absolutely. He says, sing. <laughs> and, um, he, and Vic is like, you sure you want to go, like, play at the craps table? You want to talk about your feelings, anything? And he's like, you are a hologram. You do as I say. And, yep, he make he makes him sing the same song. And, um, it's pretty gut-wrenching because we can tell that, like, Vic is trying to help, but he knows that it'll hurt more than it helps Worf. Yeah. Yeah, it's very sad. It's it's yeah. a very short scene, and it's very sad, and I think this is the start of, um, like, season seven trauma starting to really hit everyone, and this yeah. is only the first episode, Image in the Sand, <laughs> but it's going to yeah. be a trend that to get through the end of this really brutal war, everyone's going to need some music to get through. Mm-hmm. I, I will say, I, like... Is there, like, Starfleet streaming services for music? Because, oh. like, how are people consuming music? This is for a whole different discussion, but yeah. I just feel like Worf is really using Vic in this way. But also, like, to be yeah. fair, like, Vic probably sang it in his own special style. Maybe there's no, like, 400-year-old sure. music in the Starfleet database. Here's what I think is Julian should create, like, a streaming Vic Fontaine 24-7 for the war, you know? <laughs> Yeah. So people can play it on their ships as they're fighting, like like in this episode we will we're talking about now. Absolutely. And this this scene really reminds me, and I know Rihanna is not caught up, which I'm gonna shame her publicly right now on House of the Dragon, but there is a scene where one of the characters is listening to a musician like play the guitar 
and mm-hmm. she's like, play it again, because she just wants yeah. to hear the same song over and over and over again, mm-hmm. and um, I really resonated. I feel like um, Rhaenyra and Worf had, like, the same energy in that moment. Rhaenyra, Worf, and soon coming up Nog <laughs> will have that same energy as well. I mean, Bashir too, but we just don't see it on camera. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Ashlyn, let's talk about the Siege of AR-558. Um briefly yes yet again um mainly i wanted to talk about this episode because we start because of two reasons first of all one is rom just in general and two is just the influence of vic fontaine you know and so first let's talk about rom and the wonderful opening to this episode that it completely juxtaposes the seriousness of the remaining part like the remainder of the episode where rom is auditioning to be a singer at vic's lounge yeah rom i mean he's a simple guy he likes free fresh wind in his hair life without (laughs) care i don't smoke i'm a dope (laughs) california smooth and it's glass that's why the lady is a scamp I think what? I missed, I think I missed, like, 50% of those Ash, lyrics. <laughs> you were going so strong, and they just barreled down at a, at a breakneck pace. <laughs> um, yeah, you're absolutely right, though. Rom is all those things. And, um, and Vic is just, this is another way that shows how awesome Vic is, because he lets him down so easy, saying first, oh, but, like, we've already got a singer it's me you know we don't we're not really hiring singers right now um which i'm just saying he should have posted that in the audition notice i'm sorry yeah. <laughs> like, like no, no that, i, I would have been furious if i had showed up to yeah. sing and then been like oh even though you're a singer you can't because i'm a singer yeah. <laughs> You're like bro yeah what what yeah yeah i know right and then he says finally like oh but like it's just a hologram the the band is holograms only or something he doesn't say it like that (laughs) but essentially like sorry you're not a hologram so at least it gives rom like oh okay that's valid reasoning it can't be because i sound bad at all yeah yeah exactly and then at the end, uh, Bashir busts in, and he says, hey, man, do you have the recordings I asked for? So here we go. Mm-hmm. Bashir's making his playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, making He's bringing it on the Defiant because they're heading to the front lines. Like, they're mm-hmm. really going into battle. This is when shit really starts getting serious. And then the this is, this is the turn is, you know, the whole episode happens, and Nog is injured, and everything seems lost. They're, like, stuck in this siege of AR-558, and Mm -hmm. um, Bashir starts playing Vic to help everybody and make them feel better and a little calmer and feel, like, some connection to home, which I think is a fantastic way to utilize music, especially utilize Vic. Um, I'll Be Seeing You is a song that plays, and, oh, the tears start coming down because it's yes. wonderful song and then this is what nog really clings to um while he's injured this is what keeps him present is vic singing yeah it's a gorgeous moment because julian does really know what they need because they're act- they're waiting to ambush the jemhadar with these weapons that they swore they would never use you know and so vic sort of gives them perspective of like we have to remember remember that in war Sometimes you have to make these d- difficult choices, and um, yeah, it's just 
it's really amazing. And Vic is saying before, you know, I wish I could go out and do a little USO tour. Does anyone have any hollow sweets? And <laughs> he's like, no. And Vic goes, ah, sometimes being a hologram can be a real pain in the asymmetrics, uh, in the asymmetric photons. And I just think that's the most brilliant line ever. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that too. Like they're getting past the filter, you know, of swear yeah. words. And also it must really be a pain. <laughs> In the asymmetric photons, yes. Yeah, truly. exactly. Yeah, so Ashlyn, we were talking about Nog sort of attaching to this song. So let's discuss It's Only a Paper Moon and Nog's uh, recovery. He has now a synthetic leg. He has returned from a starbase, a re- rehabilitation facility, uh, was essentially under like psychiatric and medical care for two months, and now he's ready to come back to the station, and he still has like medical leave where he can decide to choose wherever he would like to go to uh, sort of reintegrate back into Starfleet and into just like station life. <laughs> this is a this is a hard episode to watch. Oh, and it's so beautiful though. It's so beautiful. It's one of the like brilliant, I think underrated or maybe not even underrated but under talked about episodes of Star Trek, especially Deep Space 9. Um mm-hmm. I titled this part of my notes, Paper Moon of Sadness. (laughs) 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 Because poor Nog is just having a really, really hard time with this. Like, he's facing the realities of what war actually is. He actually injured himself. He's not the same Nog that left DS9 all those months ago. But what is so beautiful about this episode is the relationship he develops with Vic. And to me... Even though, like, first time watching through, I'm not having these thoughts of, like, hologram rights. I am connecting so deeply with Vic. I'm not thinking of him as a hologram because he's the main character in his story. And the fact that we get to see Nog living with him, going up into his, like, suite in the hotel, watching these classic movies, which made me just so happy to see uh, Especially just, because they choose Shane, which is, like, one of the saddest movies of all time. Yeah. <laughs> like, y'all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. I just the way that Nog, like, begins to start fitting in with Vic and all of his friends and the lingo of the time. And he becomes the translator for all of the outsiders, quote, like, everyone yeah. else on the station who doesn't know what's going on, really, in the rest <laughs> of the suite. Mm-hmm. Vic just has such a gentle hand, but also a firm hand. Like, he's like, hey, I'll give you a cane, but it can't support your full weight. So, mm-hmm. like, careful, is, it's fragile. Is, yeah. is this okay? And Nog's like, yeah, it's fine. I don't even need to put my whole weight on it. And we see that he feels safe and trusted, he, or he feels safe and protected when he's with Vic. And he knows that I trust Vic and I'm in the hollow suite. Everything's going to be okay while I'm here. Yeah. And I think the cane. Uh move is so important because it's Vic showing that he's validating Nog's feelings because it seems like the doctors at the Starbase were like intentionally or not sort of gaslighting Nog into thinking that his pain wasn't real and yes he was experiencing phantom pain but to him it was very real and uh I think that it was an oversight to not encourage him to or not to not listen to him and trust him that he was feeling pain and so the fact that Vic was able to recognize that and say yeah he needs this cane whether it's psychological or not he needs it right now but he even told Ezri like I have a plan for weaning him off of it and 
it was just really fascinating to see how this was the first time that Nog had smiled, like, since he had come back from the starbase and seeing this really cool cane it looked like the grand nagus's staff and it has a lighter uh, just like the coolest and it makes him feel really special and validated in a way that no one else was making him feel including esri and ashlyn i want to kind of talk about the moments where she pushes back in this episode and questions the rehabilitation process as well as the other characters and she sort of goes back and forth because <laughs> I have trouble understanding her motives in this episode because, yeah, she's a counselor, so she's looking out for his, you know, for what he needs most. And when he decides to choose the holodeck as his rehabilitation for, for medical leave, that's totally valid and there's no rule saying he can't. And Esri is way more on board than most of the other senior staff, which frankly, it should not there should not be a senior staff meeting about hit this like this is very personal and they all shouldn't be like putting in their opinions about this because frankly it's none of their business how nog rehabilitates and it's only you know sort of between julian and esri being his two like medical caretakers kind of well thing. and his parents too yeah yeah no uh ram and lita i mean i i'm quark I'm, is a stretch but okay yeah quark is a stretch i think that um, Rom and Lita, I mean, technically, Ra- like, Nog is over 18 or whatever mm-hmm. the, like, mature Ferengi age for him to be in Starfleet, but it's yeah. still important for your parents to be there. But yeah, yeah, I agree, Rihanna, this is totally inappropriate. I mean, this is classic, you have to have all the characters right. there for Way the in. drama yeah. of everything that's going on. But also, mm-hmm. I think from a, like, deeper level, they all see Nog as family, because they remember him running around as a kid, like, stealing stuff from everyone, totally. and, like, yeah. being a nuisance in season mm-hmm. one and, you know, early Deep Space Nine, so it's so hard for everyone to see him this way. But total, I agree, misstep, having this, like, big conversation. Yeah, exactly. So I think Esri, you know, she's encouraging it at first, but then there's a time where she feels like, okay, enough is enough. He needs to be taken out of the holodeck, or holosuite, like, now, or not now, but, like, he, it's time to go, essentially. And Nog overhears, and he takes this really personally and says, I can't believe that, like, you're trying to force me out of this and Esri sort of backtracks and says no one's trying to force you but it really felt that way you know the the pressure she was putting on Vic and Nog to sort of heal faster was a bit of a dicey move for a counselor and I was like oh no I think like they did this to just sort of drive the plot in a different way but I didn't like that they made Esri sort of that character I don't fully agree I mostly agree Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but yeah I'll, I'll, I'll I'll say that at this point, Nog, it seemed like he was really starting to come back to himself. He's smiling. He's schmoozing people. He's um, interacting with um, everyone in a, a way that's good for him. But he has not, like, talked about what's happened yet. And yeah. so I think that Esri, yes, maybe was misguided to think, hey, it's time to come out of the hollow suite. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is definitely pushing it a little bit. But she's also there as a reminder because Vic is taking all of this so seriously and he's getting so invested especially because 
Nog is looking at the accounting with him and he's Mm -hmm. saying, dude, you could like expand and get a whole new casino. Like with Mm -hmm. us as a team, like we could do anything. And Vic is so allured by this new life that he has because he's going 24 seven and he's living a full life and he's getting really flushed out when he never has been before. Totally. But he's pulled into this life that he's been living with Nog. And so when I think it's a good thing that Esri says, oh, so he must be like, when's he getting out? It's very naive of her to think that like, Vic was doing this all along and the fact that she can't read his facial expression to understand right. like, oh, wait, you're not really like the master of therapy, which she should never have yeah. trusted him to be. Um, right. So I, I'm kind of mixed on Esri. Like, I'm glad she spoke up and said something because it's what prompts the confrontation that Vic and Nog have to have, which is at some point you do have to go back to your life. And yeah. this like brings Nog to his breaking point and he's like, I'm scared, you know? I I realize that if I can lose a leg, that means I can also die. And I'm not ready for that. And that this is horrible, you know? I I don't want to live this way. Yeah, absolutely. I think because Esri, the way that she sort of leads Vic on, though, and leads him to water, essentially saying, oh, are you taking Nog out to see this person that it's really a ploy to get him out of the hollow suite. And he's so thrown by that because, like you said, he's so wrapped up in this too and he's finally living a full life and he doesn't want it to end and neither does Nog and so they both have gotten wrapped up in it. And I just think that was a little too, like... Abrupt. Uh, I don't know, just sort of like a little too mastermindy of Esri. Like, I think mm-hmm. I need you to be a little less manipulative when it comes to, like... Realizing, yeah, Vic is, as everyone says, just a hologram, <laughs> which is irritating that, like, they continue to be like, we love you so much, Vic, and then people will be like, oh, he's just a hologram. because he's a figure like, to them. Yeah, exactly. I think it's sort of not considering his feelings because he's had to do- deal with a lot of on his own. It's really can be taxing caring for someone who's hurting. Um, especially when they're not talking about it and you have to find other ways to help them open up. Like, he's working a lot for the lounge and for Nog, and he's helping him to bed every night. If he's, uh, you know, he's covering him with blankets and feeding him and housing him and all this stuff, and Esri, who just sort of takes advantage of that, I think, a little. And everyone does, you know, including Nog in this situation. But for Nog, you know, this this is what he needs, is someone to lean on, and Vic is happy to provide, but... Esri doesn't take his feelings into account. Totally, totally true. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. not doing her job here. She's literally letting someone else take her job. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, like, call sweet therapy is fine, but you have to have probably more monitoring. I mean, yes. but luckily, and this was something I was going to bring up earlier about Vic, like, he can mm-hmm. control his program. Yeah. Can you imagine if this was Moriarty? Like, this would be right? a nightmare <laughs> or Deep Space Nine. <laughs> yeah, that's why, I mean, because O'Brien says that uh, he's a free will to turn himself off and on again, and he's like, I don't trust that. And I'm like, yeah, because he's scarred for Moriarty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's amazing that Vic does not, like, rob them all blind or, like, kill yeah. them all. I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't mind any of that. Yeah. It's like, whatever, it's fine. I don't need power. Mm-hmm. I'm chilling. Yeah. But he does get his own autonomy, and that's so important because he gets to draw the line with Nog. 
Yes, and a major change that happens because of all the time he spent with Nog is Nog is, he's all aboard the Vic train, and he says, I mm-hmm. am letting this hollow suite be open. He says mm-hmm. 26 hours a day. Yeah. So Vic can just have a life, and he can just live like everyone else is living on the station. So that's amazing. Again, thank God Quark has six hollow suites, so now he only has five yeah. <laughs> to rent out to everybody else. <laughs> I have to think that Nog is, it's like essentially paying rent, you know? He's yeah. hes just like paying for Vic's, paying Vic's life <laughs> to be yeah. going. It's incredible. wild. What an incredible gift he gave back to Vic to show his gratitude of his help, you know? And I want to say this last quote that really stuck with me uh, that Vic said to Nog once he turned off the program. He said, if you stay here, you're going to die. Not all at once, but little by little. Eventually you'll become as hollow as I am. And so that's just, you know, sort of a a harsh Vic reminder to look up from your phone once in a while and look at the people around you that you love and look up from your fiction into the real world and see and find gratitude in the stuff you can in the life that you're living currently. Yeah. Yeah. See, you took a wonderful message from that. I took the opposite message, which was just ignore that episode Meridian we made where the guy chose to live in a hologram. Um, his <laughs> yeah. whole life and I uh, just ignore that episode because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's not it's not okay for Nog to go out on a colony on a random uninhabited planet and bring a bunch of holograms <laughs> with him yeah. not cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um... <laughs> just ignore it it's fine um... <laughs> okay Rihanna do you remember the Alamo no. <laughs> well, neither does Vic, and truly, neither does Bashir and O'Brien, even though it's their favorite Holosuite program. Vic remembers the movie, but no one remembers the real Alamo. Um, <laughs> we, of course, talking about Bada Bing, Bada Bang, I'm just, like, starting these vague references, because as O'Brien and Bashir are in the Holosuite hanging out with Vic, they're inviting him to their other Holosuite programs, everything changes, and suddenly there's, like, uh, like a total change of music in Vic's venue and he's being booed off the stage while he's singing. There's like naked women coming on to do these like very sultry dances. Well, naked for the 90s. Yeah, it's not, of course it's like, not. Well, it's not, not HBO. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's more like um, a burlesque nightclub yes. vibe is what I was getting. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and in enters Frankie Ives. Uh, who Vic apparently knew as a kid when he grew up in South Philly. Not West mm-hmm. Philadelphia, but South, South in yeah. South Philadelphia. Born and raised <laughs> on the playground. <laughs> I would like, love to go to Philadelphia. She says, in West Philadelphia, born and raised. That's in the song. Oh. <laughs> he doesn't say, in West Philadelphia, born and raised. <laughs> <laughs> Am I crazy, though? I mean, maybe it's just the way he sings it. Hang on, I'm going to make sure. Okay, well, he mostly he definitely said correct. <laughs> okay, anyway, <laughs> so, um, anyway, they knew each other from South Philadelphia, born and raised. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
once again, uh, Bashir is like, what is going on with Felix's program that he made? Because, like, yeah. there shouldn't be these mobsters, like, coming mm-hmm. in to Vic's, like, hollowed halls. Yeah. Um, and it turns out, thank you, um, yeah. it, it turns out that this is a jack-in-the-box, you know, something we've all heard of and know about. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> Uh, sneaky Felix here created a jack-in-the-box in the program that if, so it wouldn't get too boring, essentially, and, but everyone else is like, no, Vix isn't boring, like, we love it because it's always there and always the same, uh, it provides some consistency in their very inconsistent lives, and so they're all ready to throw down, it. literally yeah. throw down! <laughs> yeah, like, this is, this is amazing to see this was a contender for me for what's the most like uh, prolific holodeck episode of D Space Nine yeah. because of the epic like catwalk that everyone does on their way to Best the Hollow Suite. So let's yeah. build up to Ariana. Um, everyone except Worf and Quark and Cisco um are they love Vic and they want to help him take down this mob boss essentially Mm -hmm. like what they find out through the program is that Frankie Ives has bought the casino from Vic like which is terrible because Vic we've seen him work so hard with Nog for all of his Mm -hmm. progress to happen and it turns out that there's actually a parent company who's bankrolling Frankie Ives and that is this other mob boss who's like even higher or something what's his name oh yeah it's like Zeno, um, Zemo with Zemo. an M. Yeah, yeah, he's like bankrolling and actually in control of this whole operation. And so the Starfleet officers think if we can just steal all, like steal a million bucks from the casino, Zemo will come and say, "Oh, you're making no money. We're sh- like, this is a waste." You know? Yeah. Where's um, my money? <laughs> yeah. Where's my money? I want to see the count. <laughs> um, I've been, I mean, I've been watching a lot of Better Call Saul, so this is like right up my alley right, right here. Yeah, yeah. You're like I'm ready. Ocean's Eleven, yeah. like heist, yes. mob episodes. I'm so down. This is exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. So this is what the whole group is coming together to do: is to figure out how to rob the casino without anyone noticing. Because the stakes, even though the safeties are off, the stakes is if Vic gets killed then his program will no longer exist. And that yeah. is terrible. It's like losing a friend. Oh my gosh, yeah. They all are literally doing whatever they can. And Cisco is really not on board at first. He says, how, like, why are you guys all talking about a hollow sweet program? Get back to work. Um, and then Cassidy is also talking about it over dinner. And he just starts getting really frustrated. And she's like, I get you don't like Vic, but what's going on? Like, you're acting, like, way more frustrated about this than seems necessary for the moment kind of thing and at first I was thinking oh Cisco's just sort of like gatekeeping what they do on the holodeck or like you know but I but then he has this really amazing speech that actually brings up something Ashlyn and I were discussing in our TNG episode he talks about how in Las Vegas 1962 black people weren't allowed to be patrons they could be workers but he's frustrated that people would want to go back to a time period where that was the norm. And Cassidy says, like, oh, I've never felt uncomfortable there, neither has Jake, because uh, it's not like that at Vicks. Like, it never has been. And everyone feels really comfortable. And Cisco says that that's the lie. He says, quote, it wasn't an easy time for our people, and I'm not going to pretend it was. And Cassidy points out that, like, this shows 
Vix shows the way it should have been and could have been. And so it, she says it reminds us that we're, quote, no longer bound by any limitations, only by the ones we impose on ourselves. And so what a fantastic back and forth between the two of them. I love to see the two of them have these philosophical debates and just these really important discussions on the exact thing that is sort of the crux of the holodeck and the issue that we discussed, you know? Yes, I'm so glad that Cisco brought this up. And I would probably, like, feel similarly. Um, like, I, I feel like the... Like, so this 1962 for Cisco is so far in the past. It's like mm-hmm. 400, 350, yeah, it's 400 years in the past. Mm-hmm. But, like, you remember the inequalities of the past and how it's, how long it took for these changes to happen in humanity and how long, like, people were consciously working towards, like, trying to make a better future. Yeah. And, like, I am I'm totally on on board with what Cisco brings up yeah. and I I even like question like this was this is everything we talked about last week like I I even question like the existence of these programs where everyone mm-hmm. is equal because it's so easy to create this like glorified like example of the yeah. past but mm-hmm. as Cassidy brings up that's the point is it's mm-hmm. you're not there for a history lesson or to like go to the museum you're there yeah. to have an adventure on the holodeck. And so once Cisco and me <laughs> comes around to that mm-hmm. way of thinking, he is just ready to go and ready to help Vic. And he's able to understand why people can have a good time on the holodeck in Vic's place. Yeah. And I think, too, like, we have, you know, Space Karen Kai Wynn, um to gatekeep what you teach in schools already you know and that's where it's even more harmful than i think in a holosuite program because that's like fundamental education and it that reminds me so much of like people uh, school districts that decide not to choose or not to teach slavery and uh the civil rights movement and things like that that's where the real damage comes from and not necessarily from a holosuite program that makes people feel comfortable because like we talked about with beverly crusher in the big goodbye like she got kind of verbally harassed by this guy and i just like we said last week would feel so uncomfortable like it would be the equivalent of of us going back to like 1600s (laughs) and i just like don't want to be a queer woman in that time at all you know only if it had sort of this filter on that i felt comfortable and welcomed so well I mean it would be like going it'd be like doing a plantation program as a black person and you see like wealthy black people in America like and I Mm -hmm. I don't know how yeah you could see that program without knowing like this is this (laughs) this is not good like these were slaves like it's it's so important to remember our history I it's it's dicey I don't I still don't know how I feel Mm -hmm. about this but it is good that people in the future can have a woke filter on and they can enjoy the the lives as if they were the privileged elite whatever race it was at the time usually white (laughs) yeah sure yeah (sighs) yeah yeah um I do love Cisco joining. It adds the the oomph that we were looking for, you know, because he comes in as the high roller. And 
I also love that Vic put away some money and he's willing to give it up for this, you know, and so it shows that, of course, Vic is all in because his life is at stake. And so he's like, whatever you need, like, let's just do it. And Cisco, I have to say, it's hilarious when their plan happens and he, he like, bets $100. <laughs> and he's like, is that a lot? <laughs> so it's just so funny. It reminds me of Starfleet and their no money craziness. Yeah, it reminds me of <laughs> Voyage Home. Is that a lot? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's what they were referencing, actually. Could, that... could be. Oh, my God. Yeah. Bada being bada reference, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, Ashlyn, how does this measure up to you as, like, a heist episode? Do you feel like... Fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. I love that they show the, like, the plan of what should happen. And yeah. I love that they're integrating everybody into the scene. So Cassidy is, like, playing slots, like, trying to charm up this policeman or, like, the security guard. I won't go through everybody's spots. But I, I love mm-hmm. seeing them all, like, getting into their role. Because, again, it's another great way for the actors to spread their wings. Because Nana is, like, getting a chance to be Kira pretending to be someone who's charming Frankie eyes you know it's it's wonderful to see and then once the heist actually happens and Azimo appears in the casino a day early it adds this extra pressure and we and we get to see everybody shine in the best way I love to see um I love to see like when things go wrong what they do because the drink spills and yeah, Zemo comes a day early. The lock is different than what Kira said it was. You know, all this kind of stuff that leads up to, oh no, it may not happen. O'Brien is getting strip, shirt, strip searched, poor guy. Um, and I'm just so impressed they all pulled it off. And I love that Bashir also gets a little Bond reference again because he says stirred, not shaken, you know, and that was cute. He's like, I still got to put in my Bond <laughs> vibes. Yeah, well, and I think it's a great way to kind of like begin closing out the Vic Fontaine story because this entire time they have been using Vic more as entertainment and a place yeah. to hang out, almost like a restaurant. Like, totally. Quark, like the reason he's not in this episode is because he views vic as a competitor yeah which is wild you know like you can get Mm -hmm. free drinks at the holodeck which like is that real (laughs) like can you just get like liquored up on the holodeck for free but yeah yeah like that's wild but Mm -hmm. um so like Vic's more like a restaurant and so in this episode he actually like you have to go into the holo suite to play the game mm-hmm. to actually like use your brain and figure out this holo suite mystery how do you save totally. your friend <laughs> and they're helping him instead of him helping them so it's a fun yeah like repayment <laughs> yeah because he has done so much for this crew so much for the community yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I feel like in the finale of D Space Nine, which I I dare to even discuss what you leave behind, it is a really beautiful tribute to Vic and to their time spent on the holiday on the in the Hollow Suites and just a time to everybody as a cast because there is wait, why is why did I write down Quark is lonely? What happens in the beginning of the episode? Yeah, so before we see this send off um we see that quark is playing go fish with vic and this is great because we are seeing the breakdown of quark is like okay fine yeah you're my contender but no one's here they're all fighting the war and he says it's really hard you know being essentially he's like it's he's complaining because he has no customers but he's essentially saying like i'm worried that they're all like i hope they all come back in one piece and i'm i just hate being here while they're all out sacrificing their lives and so 
Yeah, I love it because they talk about the bartender being lonely and Quark says, quote, he's too busy making sure everyone else is having fun. And I never think about Quark in that way, but absolutely, like he's always stressed, always putting his customers first or him, his latinum first, you know, and it just really shows how that's weighing on him when he doesn't have any customers to do that for and is worrying so much about his family and friends and Vic can relate because he's also worrying about his family and friends. Yeah, exactly. And then I love that line too because Vic's like, oh, I gotta go because like, there's like a lady that appears and yeah. then he's like, wait, I thought you said a bartender's life was lonely. And he was like, yeah. it is, but I'm not a bartender. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Classic Vic like cut right line. there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so then this last scene we get with Vic, everybody's on the, everyone's in the lounge. It's very emotional because it's a good bye party for Worf and Miles and Keiko and like everyone <laughs> eventually. Everyone. Yeah. But the omission is Lita, Rom, and Nog. And I was sad because I felt like, you know, Rom and Nog, well, Vic and Nog had a great like almost father son relationship going on and he called them Noggles and stuff. So it was sad we couldn't see the their like setting off. But yeah, pretty much everyone else. Yeah, everyone else, Worf is trying to get O'Brien to move to Minsk. He's Minsk. very, he's like, have you tried Minsk? Because <laughs> that's, that's, so that's where he grew up, and I, I just love yeah. that continuity. That's really wonderful. Quark, Quark is saying, well, Earth is a rotating ball of boredom. You all should just stay here. Oh, yeah, he's truly, like me, didn't want the show to end. I remember bawling my eyes out during these scenes. But it, it really is a beautiful way to send everyone off um, to give us a sense of normalcy like they're all looking for, but also knowing everything's about to change. And um, yeah, I think that it's really wonderful that Vic gets to sing them a little send off. Uh, the way you look tonight. The way you look tonight song. Yeah, it's a beautiful send off. And he gets to like go to each of them and have his own little like song version goodbye, you know. And I think that was really wonderful. And just of course bawling my eyes out of of just the way that they're able to wrap this up of course what you leave behind is such an epic finale and there's so much going on that vic fontaine scenes are a, but a drop in the bucket that i know is this finale rihanna we have not said golden cod's name this entire episode <laughs> i'm just gonna say <laughs> uh, i only talked about space karen kai win because of like yeah barely so like why didn't we get yeah. golden cod in the holodeck <laughs> oh, i'm so glad I didn't honestly um yeah it's I think, dare I say, like one of the most perfect send-offs for these characters and for Vic himself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the best song choice, I know The Way You Look Tonight is generally thought of as a romantic song, but I can't help but even get emotional because that is the last time we see all of our characters together because mm-hmm. right after this is when Cisco gets the call that <laughs> Golden Cot's oh, like um, getting eaten the by devil. the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like jumping in the fire and like fighting yeah. the fall raids. So Cisco's got to go and then he never mm-hmm. sees like Cassidy or anyone again. Blah, 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 nothing. <laughs> la, la, la. Life is... Life could be a dream. <laughs> but just, yeah, yeah so that. I yeah. think knowing what happens directly after the scene and for the rest of the finale, it makes mm-hmm. this last moment with Vic even the more touching because... The the last time everybody is whole and together as a family and yeah it's Uh, it's wonderful i'm so glad that vic and the hollow suite gave us a safe space (laughs) to live in the finale thank you so much for saying that and wow i just am so thrilled the way that this episode turned out and us getting to talk about deep space nine is so special especially on the 30th anniversary um 
this week has been just packed with Deep Space Nine stuff. And it's frankly amazing. These Hall of Sweet episodes are so cool. And Ashlyn, I have a big question for you. <laughs> oh, well, I, I don't know if I'm ready to answer, you know. Go for it. <laughs> uh, are we, how? How are we going to watch 22 episodes of Voyager next week? Rihanna, we've done it before, you know? <laughs> we've done it yeah. before, and we can do it again. I believe we in us. We can do it again. Yeah. So, Ashlyn, that's what we're doing next week. And, listeners, I hope you're ready. Once again, we do not know, will it be a two-parter? Will it be one big episode? Who's to say? We'll, t- we'll let you know when you see it. <laughs> um, I'm here to formally invite you all on our second holodeck challenge because mm-hmm. like we did with Next Generation, we posted our watch list early and we had a whole Instagram like story, fan, fantabulous, yeah. amazing journey of mm-hmm. watching all these episodes together. I highly encourage you to join us and get in as many Voyager holodeck episodes as you can before our holodeck episode drops. We will get that out as soon as we can and get this episode out as soon as we can. We can get yeah. that ball rolling. I can't wait for Voyager. I really, you know me, Rihanna. I'm like shivering. I, I, yeah. I saw a picture of Kate Mulgrew yesterday, and I was like, oh god. So I'm just yeah, wait to talk very, about Janeway again. Yeah, very excited to uh, join Janeway. It's almost Janeway season again in the Doros podcast. Yeah, I know so my we're... my blood is like getting excited. I don't think I can say that. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm beginning to quake again. So yeah. it must be that time. Yeah. So thank you all so much for listening. Um, we hope you enjoyed our journey into the Hollow Suites, and we will be back. We will now be moving into the Delta Quadrant next week uh, to see how Voyager spends their leisure time, and. I'm excited. I haven't seen a lot of these holodeck episodes because I tend not to rewatch them from Voyager. Not for any specific reason, but just because there are other better ones or other ones that I'm more interested in. So, Ashlyn, this is going to be really new and refreshing, I think, for our pod. I don't think we've talked about a lot of these. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> there are some very Chakotay Janeway uh, centric ones that I cannot Ooh. wait <laughs> to <laughs> discuss. I'm just going to stop breathing right now and I'm just going to let you all go. <laughs> Okay, yep. <laughs> so, Rihanna, to take us out, I think we just need a little bit of Vic to say goodnight. Yes. You're lovely With your smile so warm And your cheeks so soft There is nothing for me But to love you Just the way I should have done a more better fade anyway. Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the fourth episode of our holodeck series, where Ashton and Rihanna will discuss the photonic friends and enemies in Star Trek Voyager. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, Threadless, and YouTube. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating any amount per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, the animated series, a review of Galaxy Quest, and Star Trek Trivia. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, 
please do so at the Dura Sisters Podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, feminism, death fakeouts, first officers, and the spooky series. If you haven't heard a particular series yet, please go back and listen to any of these awesome episodes. Social media and marketing by me, Ashlyn Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. Sitting in the back of the bus. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>